So hey everybody, welcome to episode 232 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, freezing my butt off. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark on the line down in San Jose, California. Hello. Alrighty. What's the temperature in California today, Mark? Uh, it's not bad. I would say uh, high 50s, low 60s. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And how about you, Javi? It is uh, low 50s and then high 30s for the low. Right, right. Okay. So, well, as as you know, I think probably people in Chicago and Minneapolis and New York probably know that we're currently in a polar vortex. And uh, today in Canada, I've worked out the math for, for Tammy. We were talking about rad- roundabout earlier today that it's minus one degree Fahrenheit today or minus 18 degrees Celsius for me. So That's pretty cold. Very cold. And today I learned that apparently a technique to keep the trains running is to set the rails on fire so that they're warm. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like It sounds like a joke, but apparently they actually do set them on fire to make sure they stay warm enough. Uh, presumably the trains are not, you know, going over it while it is on fire. I think it's just to keep it warm so it doesn't freeze and, I don't know, it become dislodged or, yeah. or, or shrink. Yeah, exactly. Shrink so the train won't actually fit on that sort of thing. And where, where do they light the train tracks on fire? I think this was in the Chicago-ish area. Oh, okay. Well, I know I do know that my, my son drives and teaches people to drive streetcars here in Toronto and they have behind the driver's seat well in the older cars there's like a, a a cache of sand and part of what they do as they're driving along is they they drop a little bit of sand on the on the on the, the rails to keep them to give them something to grip to in, in wet and snowy weather so and we also have all these like the there's a mechanical switch that makes them if they want to you know, reroute them or turn a corner or something like that and often the driver will get out and go with like a big spike and kind of like force the the, the switch to change so uh, the other day when it was really bad snow, um, I had to get off the streetcar because the guy couldn't make the corner. So because he couldn't get the switch to go, it was all frozen. Anywho, the only right. Ask MTJC we seem to have post twenty mm-hmm. third was was you for NS North and uh, Apple Pay. What did I say? Let me have to go get. I mean, if you just oh no, I just got. I have to open my. I have to open my uh, my tweet deck tweet deck thing, which I quit earlier because it runs out of memory. Oh, there's two of them. Yeah. So the the first one is uh, Oh Man uh, Ish and Renee Ritchie and uh, James Thompson and Namrata are going to be speaking at NS North, and I'm not going to be able to make it because I'm going to be in Hawaii for a family thing. So, but uh, my tweet says, but you should go definitely. So if you're in uh, anywhere near the north end of the United States or Canada, I highly recommend you go to NS North because this year it's going to be in Montreal, which will be a lot of fun. So yeah, they, they pronounced, posted the uh, the uh, speakers last week. The tickets went on sale this Monday, this past Monday. So on the, what is that, the 28th? So I think it's 8.50 Canadian. So it's a bargain. You know, it's like 50 cents American, right? Isn't it? Pretty um, close. It's like yeah, 6.20 like or 6.50, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And there's going to be, a, there's going to be an eight person workshop with Chris Idoff uh, doing some advanced Swift. So that's, that's probably going to get snapped up real quick. So if you're at all interested, then by the time the show comes out on Saturday, if the tickets are on sale for that, I would snap those up too. But I think that they only have about 250 people at uh, at NS North. So if you're if you're sitting on the fence, you know, pitter-patter, better get out there. All of us Canadians that don't like to go to the United States of America will be going to NS North. All right. The other the other one was, uh, what was this? Uh, yeah, we were talking about uh, Apple Pay last week and uh, I was I was you know, throwing you guys some shade because we've had, uh, you know, uh, tap to pay 
here on our Interact cards for and, and Visa cards for a long time. And that is the mechanism, the near-field communication is the, is the mechanism that Apple Pay uses on our, our pay terminals up here. So, you know, there's like an NFC chip in the in the watch and, and I guess in the phones as well. So that's how we pay for things. But our oldest, the oldest company in North America, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the Hudson's Bay Company or HBC as we call them up here, still do not have tap to pay. Uh, so we can't pay with Apple Pay there. And so I jokingly posted, I wonder if we can still pay with Hudson Bay blankets or beaver pelts because that was the, their currency back then. And it seems to be still the currency today. So you have, like an animal, you have to reach into your wallet and pull out your Interact card or your Visa card and pay for things. You'll, or you can use cash, like Mark said last week, right? So that's our Ask MTJC. All right. So do we have some follow-up, Jaime? Yes, some very quick follow-up to last week where we talked about Microsoft saying that, hey, you should go get an iPhone or an Android phone because Windows 10 Mobile is no more. They're very serious. So Microsoft Office is now available on the Mac App Store. Uh, Yay. Just about all of them require some sort of subscription to Office 365. There is a one-month free trial. And then it's unclear to me if there's any sort of special deal between Apple and Microsoft on this. Uh, I suspect not. It's probably like, you know, the 15 to 30% that a company of that size would tend to, to pay for their cut of the subscription pricing and everything. So... Um, yeah, it makes me sad too. Because I just upped my version of uh, Microsoft to it says 1621, which I think is yeah, Microsoft. It's Office 2018. I just got a corporate deal to get that, but it doesn't include 365, unfortunately, for me. So hmm. yeah, hmm, too bad. What else you got? A whole bunch of things. Apparently, the uh, beta of iOS 12.2 has revealed a multitude, a cornucopia, perhaps, of secrets of upcoming things. So the first one here is from 9to5Mac. It says that uh, apparently the uh, 12.2 beta includes a hey followed by the word siri setup interface for the airpods 2 so it looks like it is mm-hmm. revealing that uh, a capability would exist on the airpods and might be on the airpods 2 so what do you have to do now you tap on them or something like that right i, I think you know i was <laughs> chatting with a friend today it's like it's a real bummer that i personally uh do not benefit from the airpods because um just the normal earbud shape and size just does not work with my particular ear canals it starts hurting after a while um i'm very jealous of the people that it has worked for the very many people it's worked for because they seem to really enjoy those airpods hmm. i seem to recall they don't fit mark's ears either yeah they won't stay in my ears if they fall out hmm. interesting yeah hmm. well i still use I, I use the wired ones and i'm constantly like now that we're in the winter time and we're shoveling snow constantly catch myself um you know with the with the cable or with the, with the cord coming off of them so i i curse them all the time but that said you know practically everybody at work has them so i just and i'm trying to save my money for other things but what can you do all right what That's else you got for that air power which is due any day now air power oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no nope nope today i learned that apple has provided air power that overheats so that you keep the trains it sounded it, funnier it's like in my a pocket head. warmer right <laughs> yeah yeah they just got all the bad units and lined them up there on the l train in chicago um but hey tim uh you were talking about saving money well here's a new way for apple to get your money so apparently the images within the beta of iOS 12.2 uh, reveal that there will be a magazine subscription service. We've, we've heard about this rumor before. This is the most concrete thing I think we've seen that uh, um, there was a company. Is it here in the article? It is not here in this 9to5Mac article. They acquired a, a news company of some sort, and it's kind of not a surprise that they're immediately you know, turning that into a return on investment here. Apple did. They did. I yeah. It had like a one word sort of thing, like 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 talent or something of that oh, nature. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's probably not the the actual name of the company, but it had like a one word sort of name. 
There's a, there's a company that begins with a T here that, that snapped up a bunch of, it has an app that runs on, on our phones up here in Canada that has a bunch of different uh, subscriptions in it. But um, and I'm sure that's going to make people like Condé Nast, you know, just uh, have a fit over uh, the competition from Apple. But, uh, yeah, interesting. All right. Continuing right along the money train, um, Apple is doing more subscription stuff, according to folks who, who have claims here. So this didn't come from the beta. This is coming from sources within Apple, and this is on Cheddar's website, uh, Cheddar's new site and they're claiming that there will be a gaming subscription service of some sort saying it would function right. like a netflix for games it's unclear to me precisely what that means given that uh you know games on ios today are a little bit different than what they were you know 10 years ago um it's a lot more freemium sort of games and, and other things it's not clear how this would work if you were to assume it's like an um all you could eat sort of deal like you would get with netflix where you can view all the movies all the tv shows um it could maybe be more akin to Xbox Live or PlayStation Network, and maybe Apple might try to bring in that side of the, the enthusiast gaming sort of things. I, I really don't know. This is article's pretty light on the details on that, but it is interesting to see that Apple is doing that. And of course, with developers, people should absolutely be, you know, keeping abreast of this sort of thing to think, oh, if this mm-hmm. is what Apple wants to do to earn its money, how can I build my business or should I even build my business on that? Yeah, there was some some backlash I saw. I posted another thing in here from a 9 to 5 article about the same thing about they're pl- reportedly planning a Netflix for games sort of thing. And, and I think some of the game developers that I follow were, were up in arms a bit about this because, you know, why would you spend all this time? time and then and then how are they going to vet who gets into this service and that kind of stuff like you know apple tends to be pretty picky about who they who they let into the sort of premier things and that uh you know i mean mind you i guess the days of, of being an indie developer has you know have been gone for or gone or dwindling for many years now right so um it's and it reminds me uh, my response to them was well there's we already have a system like that we've got that setup um system where i still have a subscription to and, and and they're always introducing new apps and they have a vetting process as well, right? So you pay, I pay like, you know, I think it's $14 Canadian uh, or $11 US, I think, um, for per month to have access to these these apps, right? That would otherwise cost me what a year subscription would be anyway. So Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, pure speculation here, but I could see that it might give an avenue to sort of counteract sort of the downsides we've seen and talked about on this show about freemium type games where if you were one of the lucky handful of chosen folks allowed into this subscription, service. It seems to me that if you were guaranteed some base amount of revenue, it would change your incentives maybe enough to say, you know what, let's just make a cool game instead of making something, you know, cynically that would try to, um, you know, addict people or draw them in to spend more. It's like, look, the, Apple gets its money. I get guaranteed money no matter what. I have more um, of an option to take risks of like, yeah, let's do like some cool art thing, uh, kind of like Monument Valley sort of thing. Um, I'm hoping, like I'm, I'm more on the positive side. It, given that Apple hasn't told us anything about it, that it will be a positive thing in general for the industry. Well, I think gaming, the game apps are the number, are the top seller uh, on the app store, right? I think, if I'm not mistaken, like in terms of the where the revenue is. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I think it um, that bodes well, but uh, it doesn't make, and maybe Apple is trying to control some of the copycat games that we've seen over the years, you know, and some of the poor um, exploits, let's put it that way, in, you know, of bad games that are sort of cheesy and 
you know, too many ads in them and that kind of stuff, right? So a lot of, like, you know, we get copycat, like we had that whole thing with the, what was that, uh, Flappy Bird? Mm-hmm. We had mm-hmm. Flappy everything for a while, right? So. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that this will, like, here, here's the positive side of it that I could see. Like if I was a product manager at Apple, it'd be like, look, if you just give us five ninety nine a month, you have unlimited access to these games. And I would really target more the, like, parents with kids and instead of worrying that you, like, got to lock down your iPhone so that, you know, Jimmy and Sally don't end up buying $500 of Smurf Berries. It's like, yeah, go play these games. They're all vetted. I know they're going to be, you know, fine and go have fun. And then hopefully the incentives are aligned for the developers to make these games, you know, fun to, for people to play and uh, safe for the kids if, if that's the route they go rather than having to be like super defensive about like, uh, how does this work? And then, you know, lawsuits that people have had against Apple and Amazon and Google regarding like, hey, my kid charged up my credit card and it's not good that I didn't have tools to prevent this sort of thing. Well, I was going to say, what do you think is going to happen to the in-app purchases? I mean, because I think for a lot of games, that's where the revenues are, right? Like they, they, yeah, yeah I guess that's where most of the revenue is for, for games like, like Zynga games, that kind of thing, the freemium. Game. Yeah. 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 It's hard to say it, it, you know, it would be really interesting and I'd have to think through whether this actually makes sense for anyone. Uh, but it would be real interesting if, if Apple's Apple did something like made the subscription cover all games. So every game in the app store becomes free and your, your subscription pays for access to every single game you want. And you as a developer get paid by the amount of usage mm. of each app. Wouldn't that be kind of interesting? Right, right. So that would, that would take away this whole, you know, exclusive club of, you know, who Apple chooses uh, to include. And, and it basically it would just be, you know, if you got a good game and people want to play it, then you get paid more. You get paid by the time people spend right, as opposed right. to the number of times they downloaded or, or buy things. Be kind of interesting. Yeah, sort of like the click, the click model at the web, web, web app. Yeah, in some right? sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. No idea if right. that's what they have in mind or if that even makes sense, but it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else has 12.2 got for us, Jaime? It's funny. We were just talking about this like gaming sort of thing and just all you can eat. Um, the 12.2 beta apparently also has customizations for downtime where you can, you know, put limits on yourself for the kind of apps you're going to use and usage and stuff to sort of like wean people uh, if they want to away from, you know, using social media, like the middle of the night sort of thing. I, I, I don't use downtime myself, but I was not aware that it didn't really have the ability to set separate schedules for different days. And you could see like either for yourself or for like kids, you might say, Hey, look on the weekend, fine, go, go play like eight hours a day, you know, knock yourself out. But on weeknights yeah. where you're supposed to be doing, you know, homework and you got to wake up the next day. Nope. You get an hour and you got to be done by nine. Right. right. Does, does Apple have um, like a do not disturb kind of time frame? Like, like I remember Blackberry used to have this thing where you could say like from 7 PM till whatever, don't even like, you know how we have the do not disturb it. They sort of had that thing where you could set a schedule every day that just your phone just wouldn't ring unless it was an emergency or something, you know? I think so. So the only ways that I've used do not disturb is in a very limited access where it's, oh, um, just go and do not disturb because I'm going to walk into the movie theater or something and I'll right, remember yeah. to turn it off when I come out. And I think they upgraded it a version or two ago or like on my watch to be like, hey, you want to put this on for like an hour or until tomorrow or till you, I think till you get home, I think. I think there's an option for that. So I wouldn't be surprised if you could do that. So there is a scheduled option. I'm looking at it right now where you can you can set do not, do not disturb to turn on from a certain time and to a, to a different time. Um, but it doesn't look like that's too customizable. Like you can't make a different version for weekends and a different version for weekdays or something like that. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. All right. What else you got? Uh, more stuff coming out of the 12.2 beta. So Steve Charlton Smith, one of those folks who likes to reverse engineer this stuff, has found reference 
references uh, that he believes they're references to four new iPads in the Wi-Fi and cellular variants. And uh, apparently without Face ID and a possibility of a seventh gen iPod Touch. So, uh, we've got an article linked to uh, The Verge that sort of describes and summarizes this in uh, in the show notes. So those of you driving at home, uh, I think you should really click through to the tweet itself so you can see sort of what we're talking about in terms of what he's looking at. Like um, mm. iPod 9,1 gets a little arrow of uh, iProd C-cert, which is weird. iProd, it will it will nudge you for health and purposes. <laughs> Interesting. So do we have a sixth generation iPod right now? I guess. <laughs> this is like a fact check sort of thing. I, I think there is a sixth generation. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I had a customer ask me to, to dumb down one of my apps because he was running it on an iPod and it couldn't run anything higher than nine. I'm not sure. Mm. Oh, iOS 9 that was, right? Mm. So yeah, because I had updated it, updated it because I wanted to put stickers in the app to he asked me to dumb it down. So last release, I just dropped it down one version. Yeah, that was that sort of iPhone 5 equivalent iPod, right? Right, yeah. 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 That doesn't even run 64-bit, 32-bit only. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, just the last note on that one is it doesn't surprise me that, I mean, it's been so long that I didn't even know the answer to what gen of iPod are we on. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that this year Apple would be reconsidering it because we've mentioned that the, you know, the growth is not going to come from selling ever more uh, increasing quantities of iPhones is going to be on things like subscription services and offering other devices. Like last week we mentioned, hey, they found a whole bunch of iPhone SEs just hanging out in Tim Cook's garage. So they put those for sale to you know scrap out every little bit of uh, money that they can to replace revenue streams. Cool. All right. Well, my next one is a quick hit um, from Walt Mossberg. I was, saw, read him on Twitter. Um, a couple of things he pointed out, and this is uh, this is in anticipation of the, the numbers coming out uh, yesterday, I think it was, right? So this is probably Monday they put this up here. Um, and uh, just quickly, he was talking about, uh, you know, it, it's likely true that Apple uh, was victim of overpricing in the latest in mature markets like China and stuff like that. But he goes on in a, in a subsequent tweet to point out that, you know, they only uh, brought in $84 billion in 90 days as opposed to $93 billion. So 84 you know, that's, that's still quite a bit more than what most companies do. But he also pointed out that, that the Mac alone, uh, if you just took the Mac Mac business alone, it would still be a Fortune 500 company. So, um, you know, this is under my category of doomed. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, Apple is still performing pretty well, considering uh, they're not, you know, meeting what people are expecting them to do. And I think that, um, Mark, you had you have a post here. So, of, of course, Apple had the earnings announcement uh, on Tuesday. Today, we're recording this on Wednesday, so it was yesterday. And it was, it was kind of what everyone expected, uh, and even actually maybe a little better than a lot of the analysts were expecting. There were some analysts still expecting a lot of a lot more gloom and doom. But you know, we all suspect to talk about it last week that most of the bad news was probably already uh, baked into the stock price. Uh, so people were pretty much you know uh, aware of, of every all the negative stuff and were ready for some good news. And and it turns out, uh, yeah, the 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 Wall Street was pretty happy with the earnings announcement actually because the stock went up today ten bucks. Uh, now, yeah. granted, that was up from the pretty depressed price relative to a few months ago of 154 yesterday and it closed at something like 165 today. Uh, so there was an interesting article today in uh, I think it was in 9 to 5 Mac uh, called The Four Reasons Apple Stock is Up Despite Weak Guidance for Q2 for second quarter. And it is true that the guidance was a little bit weak relative to last year. Uh, what guidance means is Apple says or every company when they give their earnings for the previous quarter, they give give a number, an estimate of what the earnings for the next quarter is going to be or, or and the revenue for the for the next quarter. Uh, and they were 
guiding uh, 55 to 59 billion for next quarter. Uh, that's compared to last year's Q2, which was 61.1 billion. So it is down a little bit, uh, not down as much as this quarter was compared to last year. Uh, and if you're wondering why it went from 84 to just under 60, well, that's, you know, the 84 was the Christmas holiday season. So it's always a much better quarter than, than Q2, which is traditionally a slow quarter because everybody spent all their money and bought all their toys uh, for in the, you know, over the Christmas time frame. So they don't buy them in the, in the first quarter of the year, the calendar year. So anyway, so according to this article, uh, which makes a lot of sense, the four reasons that Apple stock went up is that first, uh, the, the bad news was already baked in and it, and the earnings report was not as bad as, as some people might've expected. Uh, in fact, maybe it was a little bit better than what they expected since all the bad news was out and there's some signs that there are good things to come in the future. The, the stock went up. It was probably a little bit oversold, which means that it was, it was, the stock was artificially lower than it probably should have been. Uh, the second one is that even though the iPhone revenue was down by something like 15%, services revenue was up 19%, which is, which is pretty good. Uh, related to that, the third point is that for the first time, Apple revealed its margin on services, margin being the, you know, the amount of, uh, essentially the amount of profit that, that a company makes on a particular product. Uh, and, uh, the gross margin, which, which is just the, uh, the revenue minus the cost of goods, uh, was 63%, which mm. is, which is pretty good. Uh, so this is for services like Apple Music, iCloud, and Apple Pay. Uh, and, uh, you know, that for every dollar that they're earning, uh, on these services, their 60, 63 cents is, is essentially profit. That's uh, what they're keeping. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. So I think that surprised people, uh, analysts on the upside. That was higher than people expected. So since the services industry, uh, the, the business is, is growing and it's very profitable, that means that the company's going to make good money on that in the future. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. And Stable money that isn't based on like having to grow and acquire new users. It's just exactly. continuing to get this you know, $9.99, $12.99, whatever it is per month for Apple Music and other bits. Right, right. And uh, let's see. Now I'm looking for the... Okay, the fourth reason is that the overall gross margin, not just the services gross margin, but the overall gross margin for the company is between 37 to 38%, which for a hardware company, that's actually that's actually pretty good. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, for software companies, it's it's probably low, but you know, Apple's not a pure software company. They make most of their money on hardware. So 37 to 38 is, is pretty good. So yeah, so that's four reasons why there's why, why there's reason to be hopeful for the future of Apple and, and Wall Street rewarded them for, for that and rewarded investors like us. So the next story I, I've got from, I saw on, on Marco's tweet yesterday was talking about, and it's, and it's kind of blown up today and, it, and Apple's even reacted to it. But yesterday was reported that um, Facebook has been, has a, a sort of a, uh, I don't know if it's an enterprise app or whatever, but it's it's a research app they're calling it, Facebook Research, where they were basically uh, paying kids or young teens and, and uh, other people to install an app that would, would feed back information on what, you know, purchases and habits and that kind of stuff like that. Um, and uh, it, it seemed to be a little underhanded that, you know, they're paying 20 bucks a month to, you know, people th- 13 to 35. Um, uh, I, I heard re- reported earlier today that it was it was around 5% were actually, you know, in, a te- in their teen- teenage years. But um, still, it kind of a, um, raises a big specter about how uh, Facebook is, is, you know, working around Apple's rules and regulations to sort of get an app like this out here. I don't know if you guys saw anything about this. Yeah, um, they were in fact story. using the enterprise developer program. Yeah. So 
it's expressly against the rules to do what what they were doing. So that's meant for internal app development for customers within your own company. And it's yeah. it's forbidden by Apple to ship the app to people External outside parties. of the of the company. Uh, and right. even worse, to charge them twenty bucks a month for it. No, they're paying them twenty dollars. Uh, that's what I meant. I mean, sorry. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Well, yeah. it'd be worse to charge them, but yeah, paying them is bad too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of all kinds of. I mean, it's been reported all over the place about this particular thing. I think I've, I've seen this tweet and this article tweeted out a number of times in the last 24 hours. And a development on this, again, reported by Cheddar uh, earlier today, was that um, um, Apple has blocked Facebook's dev access. I'm not sure if it's just uh, probably just to their, their enterprise account. Right. Um, but yeah, they've, they've blocked access to this as of this morning or sometime, this, sometime today. Yeah. Right? As much as Apple might like to, I think it would be impossible for them to block the, uh, the main Facebook app at this point. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Or remove that from the store. Yeah. So, you guys have any opinions on this whole Facebook fiasco? Yeah, it, it's it's not too surprising that Facebook was doing this, given some of the other stuff they've done. They, and I think Apple did the right thing by by pulling it. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that one of the implications was that all of Facebook's internal uh, folks were unable to use their internal builds of the Facebook app. Like, you know, if they have like side by side the App Store version and like, hey, I'm on the iOS oh, right, team, I'm yeah. working on this. Like, that stopped working. <laughs> Because that cert got pulled. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I do think it was an appropriate response by Apple. Um, like Mark, I don't think that it's feasible for, you know, just practicality reasons to, you know, Facebook is just so big, removing their app from the App Store would be probably a bridge too far because Facebook has enough, you know, resources to try to work around that somehow. Um, on the other side, I think it starts inviting questions about business practices and does Apple have a monopoly if it can destroy uh, an app's, you know, sort of place on the app store like a Facebook. And I don't like, I wouldn't want to get into that game if I was an Apple's executive team. True. And I, I do wonder like just how publicly Apple came out on this. I do kind of wonder if it's a little bit of a slight overreaction um, based on the FaceTime thing. We're going to talk about spoilers. We're going to talk about that later this episode, but it, um, it strikes me that normally, you know, Facebook is so big, they would get treated differently. And like, yeah, I would kind of expect there to be some behind the scenes, very heated phone calls. Like what the hell are you guys doing? We're going to pull this cert. And maybe they pull it maybe they don't but to like very quickly slam the door and publicly say like yep that's why we're doing this don't do this again do you think there was actually a conversation do you think that like i guess facebook you think facebook is that big that apple would would not just go ahead and just pull it and then let them go and you know file a complaint with uh dev relations or something like that like i mean we all have to do I, I i do think so because like if like if it was my app or your app like personal stuff like our apps would be completely gone and i'd be shocked if my apple id yeah, wasn't starting to do funny things account, too. and we'd never be able to publish again that that probably would happen to us, right? Yeah, and it'd be yeah. like yeah. an Apple employee driving up to my my door, coming in, breaking my laptop, and then get, writing me a check for the sum. <laughs> it's a new, like they would just completely stomp us. I have no illusions that Apple would just you know destroy us personally. But Facebook is big enough where they they have you know the ability to fight back, and this is the strongest sort of response I could possibly realistically see. Yeah. So I have a sidebar question related to Facebook. I've seen a lot of celebrities in internet people, you know, Walt Mossberg is one. I have a couple of friends who are sort of in the, in the you know, the sort of tech business, uh, fairly well known, who are leaving Facebook. Like they're, they're deleting their account, they're walking away and that kind of stuff. And I, and, you know, in, in my case, we use Facebook to communicate with friends and family. I mean, that's, you know, we, we, we try to educate the people who we see online who are, who are, you know, retweeting or sharing these, these bogus uh, stories and stuff like that. We try to get them wise to the fact that that's not really a, a legit story, but 
you know, it's how our family stays connected and that kind of stuff. So I, I want to know what you guys think about the impact of leaving Facebook. Does that re- is that really going to make a difference at this point in time? I mean, they have what billions of people on the pl- on the platform, right? What do you well, think? Well, impact on what? I mean, the the reason for, is gonna ha- for leaving Facebook is because you don't want them using your information for their own gain. Sure. Okay. But but is well, I mean, I, I guess I guess the question is to these people who are leaving, like, what is their motive for leaving? Like, it seems to me that from what I'm what I'm gathering from these people is that they're they're just they're, there's been so much fake news and and this kind of stuff like this exploit lately and you know uh, accounts being you know compromised left right and center you know all the all the bad press that Facebook's gotten in, over the last year but you think leaving a platform is really going to have at, at this point in time I mean like there's so many people on this platform that one voice no matter how popular or or famous that person is is it really going to have an impact like would you leave Facebook I don't use Facebook well I have an account. And right. and you know people will sometimes send me stuff and I yep. and I will respond in in that case. But I I never initiate. I never post on Facebook. That I know that's going to shock you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I'm, I'm shocked to even look at. I'm shocked you even open the executable. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I don't. So do you know, I don't like the fact that they're selling your data, selling people's data, and the whole right, existence right. of the company is to sell your data, to collect and sell your data. True. Yeah. So and I, I guess that's that's the main. I guess that's the main motivator for people, right? But yeah. but we've known that they're selling our data for a number of years now, right? It's not like that's news. How they're selling it or, or look this this thing about this, you know, paying these kids twenty bucks a month, that's that's a different that's a new development, right? The effect that they have on the Canadian elections and the American elections and that kind of stuff and the fact that they can spin false news and unfortunately people are gonna fall for that, right? But I, my question is like do you think leaving at this point in time, do you think one person leaving or two people or ten people leaving is really gonna have an impact? No, of course it's not gonna uh, a couple of people leaving is not going to have any impact on Facebook. Of course, of course not. But uh, if enough people feel strongly about it, then then it could it could have it could force them to change. Or, or and even if it doesn't change the way the company does business, you can at least for you can at least prevent them from profiting off of your information if you choose to. True. true. Yeah. What do you think, Amy? I use it as uh, out of practicality, uh, friends and family sort of thing. I mm-hmm. view it. I mostly view it as like a read only thing. I do post a handful of things, but it's large consumption, uh, which is quite a bit different than what it was for me. I don't know. Hey, I guess I you know, say like a 10 year ago, it's sort of challenge. Um, the irony. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to imagine, you know, put yourself back in Star Wars A New Hope. Do you remember when Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker were there in the desert and he's like, Mos Eisley Spaceport, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum <laughs> and villainy. <laughs> they didn't yeah, want to yeah. go there, but they had to go there. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. sort of the relationship. Uh, between me and, and the Facebook app, unfortunately. Um, and it's weird because, like, you know, I've, I know people who work there. I've known people who work there. Yeah. And it's a bunch of really, really smart people. It's just somewhere in that company culture, there's either really, really dumb people or people who are making very cynical, uh, villainous type decisions. Um, and it, it's really troublesome. I, I think that's why and we'll need to talk about this more when it comes to the FaceTime story, as I think this is getting lumped in together with yeah. the FaceTime story. And that kind of offends me because I think it's a very different kind of problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is probably a good time to mention that, whoops, uh, Google was doing something like this too um, with its 
ScreenRise meter app, and uh, they quietly decided to remove that and said, let's not have our developer, our uh, enterprise developer account removed from, from usage. So, um, oh, so Google Google self, self-regulated themselves, you mean? Yeah, because I think somebody over there was smart enough to maybe not do the decision of not to implement this app, but certainly was uh, wise enough to see the writing on the wall and say, oh, Apple, <laughs> Apple slammed Facebook. They're almost certainly going to slam us given our history. Wow. Yeah. Well, and it was another report I heard. Uh, I think we talked about this briefly, this Facebook, uh, there's a new Connect thing or something that's coming out, um, like a, a group-wise thing or something like that. Um, you guys don't know what, know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about the the portal device or are you talking about like a replacement for Facebook groups, maybe, based on the way you're saying it? Yeah, if I, I got to go look up the name. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It'll come back to me, but we'll, we can move on. We'll talk about it. If, if, if it's significant, I'll bring it back. So what's next? I wanted to bring up this article by uh, Bloomberg. I think it's Mark Gurman. Is it Mark Gurman? Mike, Mark Gurman and Debbie Wu talking about stuff that is supposed to come for new iPhones and at the very tail end of the article, a little bit of stuff for iOS 13 that's being claimed here. So mm-hmm. the, the bigger things related to the iPhone uh, are supposedly that Apple is testing this camera setup with a laser system, a long range uh, system that will help um, depth finding for, let's say, like photos, but also supposed to make the augmented reality experience that much sweeter. So I'm very excited about that because I think for the past uh, when did Project Tango from Google come out? Let's say like 2011, 2012, so seven or eight years, I've really desperately been wanting for that sort of sensor to be on the back of an iPhone. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time, it was for um, sort of mapping the local environment around you because I was working at Point Inside on indoor location systems. But here, and just seeing how well augmented reality and AR kit works today with the system we have, I'd be really, really excited to see yet another thing that can make it even uh, smoother and more realistic. Um, in the middle of this article, it talks about the fact that Apple is testing out iPhone devices with a USB-C port inside of the phone itself, opposed to, mm. let's say, like USB-C on the, the end that goes into the wall. And way, way, way down at the tail end of this uh, lengthier article, it's talking about updates to iOS 13, which apparently will include a dark mode, which kind of isn't surprising, given that there's a dark mode in Mojave. Uh, in to CarPlay, uh, some iPad-specific upgrades, like a new home screen, which has no description whatsoever as to what that means, like what's new about it and, and other things. Um, I'm actually pretty excited about the idea of dark mode because, I don't know, I've, every app on the iPhone that lets me switch to dark mode, I do. I switched my Mojave desktop to use dark mode and every app that supports that is great. And when I switch over to like Chrome that doesn't have it yet, it burns my eyeballs. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I tried dark mode for a while. It's funny, like um, my QuickTime is stuck on dark mode. Um, on my my Mac, I can't figure out why. Is your is your QuickTime in dark mode? Yours, I guess yours is. But Mark, no, mine's on not. Your, no. Yeah, so like the little recording window I have right now, it's it's dark, and whenever I go to save, I get the dark mode uh, dialog box. So hmm. very strange. Yeah, like it's stuck. Interesting. Yeah, I tried dark mode on my on my test device here for a little bit, and um, I noticed at nighttime the the desktop changes into like a dark dune, but but I did turn it off. Yeah, I think and it's I, a very I, personal thing for folks. Some folks like well, do it. You use, do you use like a midnight theme on your on your X? code as well i do and i think xcode is one of the apps that i'm not super happy with how it looks in dark mode um right for the most part it's okay the thing that really bothers me is the color scheme for when you are searching or like on the like a little sidebar on the left side so we hit what command two or three i think and you're searching for uh like oh find references to this particular class right oh, there's okay. something like really difficult on on the almost pure white text i think think they chose for the search results and then this blinding yellow for the high
highlighting of the search result. It, it looks much better in normal light mode than it does in dark mode. And I'm, mm. I'm not a designer, so I don't know how to fix it, but I know that it's quote unquote wrong as far as my personal opinion is concerned. Is it not using your highlight color from your, from the general preferences on your machine? I, I suppose so, but I like, I didn't tinker with those in any way. Okay. So yeah, I, I assume yeah. that other people um, who use Xcode and dark mode are seeing the same thing that I am. I think mine, mine's still that sort of Robin's egg blue that, that I'd, I've never changed it to highlight color on my Mac. So I think that's probably what I think I see in Xcode in white, in not, not dark mode. What do you call it? The not dark mode, not dark mode, normal mode, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Light I, don't mode. I don't know. Yeah. Light so mode well, makes sense. So I just tried uh, turning dark mode on and off and opening QuickTime while it was in dark mode and then closing it and then opening it again. And it, it switches back and forth just like everything else. It's fine. Hmm, right. Well, that's just my weird machine. So while we're on the subject of Xcode, how about that object library access in Xcode 10? The fact that it's now a floating palette? Oh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Are you? Are you in there I, a lot, though? Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have a strong reaction to it. No? It's okay. okay. You don't like it? I, I don't know. I, I, every time I go look for it, because I, I leave my object library open all the time in, in Xcode 9, and, and mm-hmm. find in Xcode 10, the fact that I have to go, and, and it's a floating palette, and I can't snap it to the to anything. Like, in, in all the Adobe products, you can pull things out and make them into floating palettes, but you can also snap them back into their little sidebar thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, find, I find it a little bit right. odd. But I did find a key command. I think it's command option uh, I what, I or L, one of those two that opens the library, library for L. Um, if you hold the option key down when you, when you you or shift key when you when you do the command, um, it stays open. So if people are trying to figure that out, try that out. All right, so what's uh, what's next, Tommy? Tenure challenge? Yeah, this is an article on Medium by uh, Valia Havriliak. I'm really you terribly sorry if I've gotten that name <laughs> incorrectly. <laughs> this is two weeks in a row that I'm, I'm, I'm challenged with that. So I apologize, but it's um, just a really quick, fun little article, you know. So on Facebook, with enough irony here, <laughs> and Instagram, mm-hmm. there have been these um, posts going around, and everybody's sort of like going into this like VAR mode of like, oh, ten year challenge, a photo of yourself ten years ago and one today, uh, to sort of so like growth or change or or whatever. And that's kind of the premise of this particular post, where it shows like the App Store and eBay, uh, Evernote. I didn't even remember what Evernote looked like um, back in 2008. Uh, Facebook has changed quite a bit. Instapaper, OmniFocus, even pCalc shocked me. I thought its design scheme had stayed fairly consistent, but it actually has gone through quite a bit of change. That was kind of fun to see how things have sort of changed over the years. And then you can sort of guess as to the why. Some of it is the change between, you know, pre-iOS 7 and and now post-iOS 7 design thinking. There's the notch that goes in. Some of it is just like branding sort of stuff. Like Evernote, for example, seems to have really de-emphasized the green. It was very, very heavy green with the elephant before. Now it's a little bit more subtle. Hmm. So I don't know that there's any like amazing insights, but it's kind of a nice little, you know, blast from the past. All of my, uh, all of my, um, images here in this flawless thing, I think I'm being punished by, by, uh, um, the medium because I'm not seeing anything in, uh, all the images are blurry. Oh, medium for me occasionally decides it doesn't want to show photos or videos. (coughs) So you just have to refresh it until it stops doing that. Really? Yeah. And for example, I'm going to throw some shade in eBay's direction and, and some side, some, uh, accidental bystander shade on Kijiji. I Mm -hmm. really, really hate the eBay 2008 app. It looks, I don't really like the current app as a user. It's weird and confusing. It looks horrific and it looks like he throws the shade on uh, Kijiji. It looks like the weird Kijiji sort of theme for the 2008 eBay app. But that's old. It's very old. That's probably why they changed it, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's funny, you know, when I, I was thinking about this the other day, that I've got a couple of books. I think one called uh, Don't Make Me Think, and it was sort of a book on web development and, and how to design web pages and stuff like that. And the two um, the two sites that they pointed as being really well done were Amazon and eBay back in that book. Remember how Amazon used to have all those tabs across the top? Remember that's that? right. That's right. Yeah, you know, I, I could see at the time at which that book was written, that would make sense. Because, like, competitors would be, like, you know, Craigslist and Toys.com or something. Right. So I, I could see. But even th- those two examples that you've given have definitely evolved. And it's really sort of changed where I think a lot of stuff is based on more, like, um, you are either searching from, like, an Omnibox sort of thing. Yeah. Google style. Yeah. And it just sort of, the machine is smart. And like, oh, clearly you wanted this thing. Um, or it's been more contextual. Like, oh, it looks like you are in this location. Or it looks like you have this other thing going on. So I'm going to just infer where you want to go instead of trying to do um, maybe more effective wayfinding for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. I, I just find it ironic that they were used as the stand, the gold standard of sites back before uh, before uh, iOS came along and Android, I guess, too. Oh, look, another po- post here on 12.2, Jaime. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So uh, this one is a tweet by Federico Vidici talking about the iOS 12.12, sorry, 12.2 beta, introducing support for the web share API in Safari. So you know those nifty little Yay. share sheets you can bring up in your apps apparently there's some markup you can do in the web too in safari that's pretty neat i don't know that's like you know this isn't like an earth shattering thing this seems more like a quality of life thing um right that you from a website you can you can call one of these things up is that what you're saying yeah I, javascript I, i'm not really sure um like what sort of official uh support will come in here but if you look at the photos again one of the show notes for those of you driving at home uh, you can see that he created a little web page with you know a big old button that says tap this and it brings up the sharing sheet and he can see airdrop and i forget what these things are called on the, on the little like actions it's like app style actions in more like contextual type actions mm-hmm. interesting mm. and i didn't know that the that there was like a web share api to do that i'm very unclear if that's like a standard thing of like a hey a web page can ask yo operating system open a sharing thing if you understand that concept yeah no i hadn't heard of that either it was something my clients would have asked for for sure all right uh, mark what do you got here yeah this is probably not news for anybody now, uh, as, certainly by the time that the podcast comes out. But uh, Apple had a, a little issue, a little software bug that uh, really came out in the last day or two. Although I guess it's been around for a while, but it, but it really hit the news last couple of days or days ago. Uh, and of course, it, this is the FaceTime bug that I'm talking about, where it turns out under certain situations, which are pretty well documented on online, we don't need to go into them. Uh, if you, if someone's calling you on FaceTime, uh, then they can hear what you're saying without you actually answering the call and even even see your 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 video through the phone even though you haven't answered the call this is obviously obviously a huge privacy issue and a major bug uh, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of lot of press about this uh, I suspect that actually by the time the the, the show is uh, is available or soon after it, it'll be fixed but for right now it, it's a big issue so it's it's probably a good idea to just turn off FaceTime for now and unless you're you know you're actually planning to use it uh, for something just turn it off you can disable it in settings and uh, avoid this from happening because basically anyone could could call you and even if you don't answer the the call they they can still eavesdrop on you yeah it was based on the the, the FaceTime chat that they added in last year I think um, it's actually when you it's not the first caller but if you uh, it, it's adding a second caller would would the first caller if they hadn't picked it up that you could you could hear what they're saying and on their in their environment or whatever it was like they were, like they 
be butt dialed, you kind of thing, right? And you could hear what's going on. Um, I thought but, the first person they call, if they if they just add someone else to the call, they can hear what the first person. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, right. That's kind of it's like, but it was part of the group chat thing. And and Apple yesterday had taken down late in the day. They had taken down the uh, the group, the group chat service. So you can you admittedly you can still go in. And I, I I even I went in and turned off my FaceTime on my two devices and my and my two Macs. But I didn't go to my wife's computer. And do hers because I know she uses FaceTime with her granddaughter, right? But um, uh, and I would have to support that if, if it wasn't working. But, uh, <laughs> but what was interesting though is that it was discovered by a young a young teenager. I think a twelve year old had discovered it and told his mother about it. And his mother spent a week trying to get through to Apple on uh, on how this exploit worked. And she was she tried you know customer support and she tried a whole bunch of avenues. And we all know from sometimes talking to Apple, they can be a little little thick headed when you try and get communicate with them. But uh, their solution was, or their suggestion was, that you open a developer account and file a radar, right? And my, I tweeted out earlier today, I don't see how, uh, I mean, some of us have a hard enough time just filling out a radar anyway, because they ask for a whole lot of detail beyond, you know, the, just the, what is the bug and what how to, how to manifest it. They want you to know how to reproduce it, and they want steps, and they want screenshots, and sometimes they want logs. Um, and I don't see how a, a 12-year-old or even his mom would be able to navigate that kind of a yeah. Um, no, that- that, that sounds, that I hadn't heard that, but that sounds like a terrible answer. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the answer that came out today. And yeah. I mean, I mentioned it yesterday in, in our Slack that uh, you know I, I was slipping by CBC uh, News, and we, our national news broadcast was was going to cover the story. And uh, what was interesting was, though, was the reporter who did it spoke to a security expert using FaceTime, you know, on his iPad. Uh, to, so that was kind of an interesting irony there. Mm. But um, I mean, they did it on purpose. But but it was being reported. That, like much like uh, uh, oh my god this is a horrible uh, you know privacy breach and blah 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 from from Apple and you know for you know the, I mean reporters are reporters and they're gonna they're gonna write the headline to, to get as many eyeballs on the story as they can but um, I, I worry that these kind of things you know um, get blown out of proportion it was in you know it's in all the newspapers and it's on every every channel and that kind of stuff and um, yeah yeah it's a huge issue it's a huge issue and, and you know um, but you know uh, Apple did react quickly by by taking it down. I mean, notwithstanding, they didn't react quickly based on the the week it took for these people to get through to Apple that there was a problem. But and I think they probably reacted once once it broke and went viral, right? So I think somebody posted a video and that's how how it got out into the wild on the Twitter and Facebook world, right? Yeah, and and I think quick depends on where you start the clock. Clearly, clearly, and we'll unpack this a little bit more. Clearly, there's a big issue with uh, the point at which Apple understood that there was a problem, yeah. right? I, I think it was unaware for a big part of that week until the right people looked and said, wait a minute, what? And it seems like they turned around very, very quickly to have, uh, you know, the immediate sort of feature flag to shut off the group chat. And then there's supposed to be an update uh, reasonably soon. Like a week is really fast when you have like a billion devices out there to yeah, not yeah. brick everybody's device. And, and surely we, on this very show, we complained about iOS 8 and when it launched and made it so people couldn't use their brand new phones to make phone calls, right? Like you don't want that to happen either. Um, it's certainly slow that it certainly feels slower because there is like the weird delay. And I do think sort of working backwards, there's like something that needs to be done so that it is more obvious that these sorts of like legitimate security issues, uh, people have a really easy path to get attention into the right hands, right? Like customer support, like no, like customer support has to work at scale. There's no way this person probably thought, oh, okay, the, you know, they, they did the wrong thing on FaceTime. They didn't understand the flavor, right? Because they're used to people.
people like not understanding how to FaceTime their grandkids, right? That's, that's what they're trying to do. Um, and then I think there's also sort of the problem of like, how did this get through QA? Like how could, how did nobody find that? That's a huge problem. Yeah, and then yeah. like on the development side, like why is it that this thing is even possible? Like it just doesn't make sense in your, whatever architecture you have. Like I know bugs happen, but it seems weird that you could force the audio to show. And I don't know if this article covered, but a different article said like, oh, you can also get the video to, to happen too. Yeah. <laughs> By like canceling the call or doing some weird other thing. Like that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so there's this whole slew of things. Uh, but I wanted to come to the point where I mentioned it earlier show that I felt kind of offended, similar to the reporter thing you were talking about, where it's like, oh, I, I saw one of two things either. Oh, look, Apple talks so much about privacy, but here they clearly don't care about privacy. I think yeah, that's pretty offensive because like yeah. this was very clearly a mistake, right? Tim Cook wasn't sitting in there in his villain's lair. He's like, ha ha ha, look at this thing I'm going to do, right? I'm going to force Jimmy and Sally to, to code in this horrible privacy bug. Why would he do that? I don't think he would do that. And the other thing is people saying, oh, we'll see. It's it, it's almost like what about is I'm like, oh, see, it's just as bad as Facebook and Google. I was like, no, 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 no. Facebook and Google allegedly did their things with full intent, right? This was an accident, an accident we would rather see Apple not have happen, right? right. right? They're not a scrappy little startup. They're a very well-funded company who has resources to prevent this very thing from happening. And they have really good resources at their disposal to rectify it faster than they did. That's very different than like, you know, execs somewhere in, in Google and Facebook being like, oh yeah, we're going to do this thing and like, forget the consequences. Money's all that matters. That's what I assume happened here. Right here, yeah. I assume it was like, oh crap, we had a serious breakdown, a series of breakdowns of the process and this thing happened and they've worked as fast as they could to deal with it. And I think it's not, it's not fair to the companies involved and I don't think it's fair to the public to try to conflate the two because it's very, very different. Yeah, I mean, they could see it easily slipping through because, you know, from, from the perspective of you want this service to work so that, you know, a grandmother can talk to her grandchild kind of thing. Like you want, you want to, you want to, you know, four-year-old to be able to enable face at face time and you want the grandmother to be able to, you know, doesn't have to be tech savvy is my point to, to happen, to get there. So there's going to be a lot of negotiation that happens between the two devices. You know, we under, we all understand how these, you know, data streams work um, and how they have to be encrypted and all that kind of stuff, but, and, and how you want to make it as seamless as possible. And that could have been something that was just missed some one small piece that got, got overlooked in, in the QA process or even in development process. Right. Um, Cause it, it's a new service that's being piggybacked onto an existing service. So things can happen. Things can get overlooked. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was definitely a very ugly week for, uh, for tech. It was uh, a lot of things coming out. Oh, here's one thing I posted too. this, this uh, headline from New York times, Apple was slow to act on FaceTime bug that allows spying on iPhones. I mean, admittedly, like I heard about this, you know, in the morning, like around nine or 10 in the morning, you know, and then, you know, I think Apple had it shut down by, by early afternoon, if not, if not in the evening. Right. So, you know, by the time it hits the sort of airways and becomes public and, and, uh, you know, Apple, like you said, did shut it down pretty quickly, even though, like I said, it does, it did take a week for, for this, uh, mother to get through to Apple. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know, uh, back in my day, <laughs> he says with this Christia voice as possible back in my day, um, you had zero day exploits in windows or Internet Explorer or any number of things. And you really just hoped that the next patch Tuesday of the month, you know, the once a month patch Tuesday would end up with fixes for that exploit. Right. Like here, like right, yeah. it clearly it shouldn't gotten there, but it, you know, I think it's reasonably fast at scales. Like, all right, somebody thought about maybe we should make it possible to take down group FaceTime. Okay, good. Kudos. That was a good design decision. They took it down and they're going to be issuing a 
a patch, you know, reasonably soon, certainly uh, before, you know, patch Tuesday style, you know, hopefully next month sort of thing. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it shows up in one of the new betas. Wouldn't be surprised if 12.2, when it becomes um, uh, released to production, has it. Um, could definitely be faster. There are tons of ways for it to be faster. Um, whether or not, you know, I was talking about like where you start the clock. Um, I think there's nuance there, but the fact of the matter is it still took a week for Apple to realize and then fix the bug. And that really can't happen. True, like, true. it's not like, oops, whoops, you know, we've got, you know, billions of users and we only have like 10 people in a co-working space in San Francisco. It's like, no, 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 you have hundreds and you have thousands of employees. Like, you can very clearly say, yeah. this one person, their sole job is to just look at all these reports and be like, I think that's a possible security bug. Send it to engineering for triaging. All right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, uh, this New York Times article goes on to say, and they point out another side of things, which we've talked about on this show before, is that there are entire organizations out there who are looking for exploits in OSs, and they offer um, bounties to people to report them, but keep them secret so that they can take advantage of them, right? Um, there's one talk here about uh, Zero Diem, a well-known broker and security firm, raised its reward to for an Apple iOS bug to $2 million. So $2 million will keep keep something quiet for quite a while time. And this is not Apple paying. This is like somebody trying to keep this particular exploit open. Um, Apple, in fact, uh, offers, I think, a, a bounty of $200,000 to uh, hackers who can find things. Because the question was, what is this woman and her son going to be rewarded, if anything, for finding this thing and bringing it to light? You know, so because they didn't do, they didn't go. I, I guess they kind of went they went to the papers to try and get somebody to pay attention. But at Apple, but, uh, you know, like obviously this this by bringing it forward and, and trying to get Apple to be, pay attention to it. I mean, they did quite a quite a service to Apple, you know, by make, by keeping at it to make sure that they knew about it, right, rather than throwing up their hands in frustration, right? By the way, Grant Thompson was the 14-year-old boy in Arizona who discovered the uh, the FaceTime bug. Yeah, I hope it gives the right folks at Apple pause to, you know, take a step back and rethink some of their processes and how they handle things. Uh, it certainly yeah, yeah. could have been worse. I'm So there is a very silly, I should mention, there's a very silly lawsuit out in like New York or something. I'd have to find the link of uh, somebody who was claiming that um, they had an iPhone with them while they were giving a deposition. Now their privacy has been violated, even though, again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge. I don't think there's any grounds for damages because they'd have to show that somebody did, in fact, listen in using this technique. Um, it certainly could have been worse, right? This is not um, the same level of uh, Cambridge Analytica. It's not the same level of Oopsie, like Experian. Sorry, uh, Equifax had with regards to, to data breach. Um, I still don't think it ever really should have happened. But on the other hand, bad things happen and it could have been way worse. And hopefully this ends up with renewed um, emphasis on uh, security, right? Not to say that Apple doesn't take it seriously, but like I feel like this could have been caught elsewhere. It's speculating maybe in code review or hmm. in architectural design, or it could be in QA. Um, and at the very least, <laughs> if you can't make those any better than they are, because stuff still happens, the mitigation side of like, all right, something has happened. How quickly can we realize and rectify that something has happened? That part needs to be taken care of through the, you know, customer support being uh, better trained at like, here's what you do when you think 
you have one of these situations or even just updating the darn website. I looked at the link that was in one of these articles. Like I wouldn't know where to go to report to Apple the security <laughs> problems. I'd probably just go like at Apple, at Tim Cook, at Johnny Ives, just for giggles. Be like, hey, I found this problem. Somebody hit me up, slide into my DMs and I'll tell you more. Yeah, actually, that's what I was, was going to say because I, I was thinking about that. Like, what would I do if I had found something? I mean, you know, I know to try and get a hold of some people at Apple Canada that I know and I also know to file a radar but uh, yeah like like I said before I don't know how this how we how a regular person is expected to understand you know how to get through to Apple's yeah Apple this, team. this is certainly not a developer issue so it doesn't doesn't feel like radar is is really the right place you would think that in this day and age Apple would have a you know big prominent button on their website somewhere saying hey have a have a security issue do you want to report press this yeah. button and yeah. fill out this form and we'll be we'll get right back to you well most websites have like a or most mail mail administrators have a, a an address abuse at blah 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 domain right yeah um, and the idea behind that is if you if you get somebody if somebody forwards a spear phishing campaign to you or whatever you you can send that to that address and um, you would think something like that would be would be available like you know right. abuse at right. Apple or right. you know exploits at Apple or bugs at Apple or whatever you know maybe there will be maybe maybe that will that will come out of this that there'll be there'll be a page on Apple's website where you can try and contact them. <laughs> operative word there being try and let's try with a question mark because it could be an optional you might get nil back right yeah that's true <laughs> that's true more than just good there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw an interesting article an interesting tweet the other day on the three types of of try i don't know if you guys have ever uh, looked at that but uh the try with a question mark is is like uh you can use it like option optional chaining i think they call it where instead of having because normally with try you have to have a do and a catch right uh, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the do does the thing and catch catches the error and you deal with the error print it out or whatever you're going to do, right? With a try with a question mark, um, basically we'll return, kind of turns it into an optional. So you don't have to do the do and the catch, but yeah. so but it can return it nil. Or it can return, fail, except it'll just return nothing if it fails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. And you can test for try that way too, to see if it's, if it comes back as an optional, treat it like an error, but you don't have to go through the whole, that whole do catch thing. Right. And then right. the try with exclamation point is the good old force, force try, which is, you know, any, as people say, whenever you see a, exclamation mark and anything in swift you you should approach it with caution right so because mm-hmm. it basically will will force it to try right so and potentially crash so that's the code part of more than just code right mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go yeah i think the try with a question mark option that you're talking about is something prior to the codable you know encodable decodable stuff in swift mm-hmm. was pretty common for me to see in parsing json where you might realistically expect like oh maybe we'll have this element maybe we don't sort of stuff right right uh, where you may not want to do a like, well, the entire thing fails if we're missing this piece. Yeah, now I got to find that article that yeah. I just talked I, about. I will use that one in places like uh, like a, a core data fetch request mm-hmm. requires uh, a try yeah. when, to, when you execute it. And usually in a case like that, if it fails, well, you know, I, I just I just don't have the object, so I move on. So so I don't really mm-hmm. need a, to have the full do catch mechanism for something like that. So I use them uh, typically. I use them actually fairly fairly often. Mm. Yeah, technically. I should say that it's for any kind of method that will throw can throw an error is when you use try right right that's right. what i should have said yeah
All right. Well, let's let's take a look at our picks for the week. So, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do. The conference videos for iOS Conference Singapore 2019 have come out. And I apologize. I've not seen any of these. These just came out today, so I haven't had time to watch. There are like 18 videos as of the time of this recording. And there's some that stick out to me as ones I want to add to my list, like, oh, I just lost it. Uh, Swift 5's brand new results type. Uh, I'm aware that mm-hmm. it exists. I'm curious to see what somebody using it out in the real world um, has run into because I'm very interested to see if we can, you know, remove uh, our own bespoke home rolled versions of that, or um, if maybe there are some downsides to to it that I'm not aware of. And I'm also interested in, where is it? Where is it? Ah, there we go. The underestimated power of key paths, because Mm. key paths seem like a very interesting way to do a neat KVO style and KVC style programming that I've briefly uh, used, but haven't really like truly learned what sort of power is there. I thought you were in Singapore. No, um, I guess full disclosure, I did submit, but was uh, not selected for iOS Conf Singapore. Um, but I wish them well, and clearly they had uh, very good sessions, even without me. Mm-hmm. So we haven't talked about Xcode 10.2 beta that came out this week. Have we talked? You guys know about that? The one that includes Swift Five. Swift Five. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't tried it out. Have, have you? Have you tried it out? We talked about it. We haven't, haven't downloaded it yet, but we also talked about with the possibility of, of downloading the uh, the Swift Five tool chain from swift.org and sticking it into you know xcode 10.1 and just seeing what what's in there of course the compiler and all that kind of stuff isn't going to be quite right but um something you can play around with so if people are interested in looking at and of course that means we're getting that sort of that promised abi uh compatibility so we'll have smaller binaries and and hopefully we'll get to the point where we are with objective c where it won't really matter what version of uh, objective c you're using it kind of just automatically will compile right Is is that actually in the beta is that confirmed i believe yeah they there was a there was a note in the in the release notes about uh, the fact that there are going to be smaller binaries and that kind of stuff. So whether that's air quotes confirmed or not um, is another story. I thought we talked about that in our Slack. Some guy from uh, Fruit Company posted something about that. Um, you didn't see that at all this week this, in your tweets and stuff. Not that I you think spent any time that passed a lot of people because it is a little weird to see um, like a minor version of Xcode end up with new stuff like that. And it is exciting that it's coming out faster. I'm definitely want stability in Swift. I want it to still improve, but I still remember the bad old days. Just after WWDC yeah. and the 0.1 yeah. days, um, yeah. I don't really look forward to those. And it's been—is this year five? I guess it is year five. Huh? In 2014, yeah, 2014. Yep. Yeah. Last time I was at wow. WWDC. Time flies. Been five years since I was at WWDC. Hmm. But yeah, the, it says this is what people were t- were posting this tw- this picture. It says Swift apps no longer include dynamically linked libraries for for the Swift standard library and and Swift SDK overlays inbuilt variants device devices running on iOS 12.2, uh, Watch 5.2, and TVOS 12.2. So it could be that it's only going to pl- applicable to newer device or apps running or devices running the new OS. As a result, Swift apps will be smaller when deployed for testing using test flight or thinning an app archive for local development distribution. I'm not sure what that means, but that was, that was the piece that people were, were passing around a couple of days ago. Hilaire? It's good news. <laughs> I was trying to decide whether to say it was one or not, but it will eliminate an excuse I've heard from certain very large companies that say, oh yeah, we don't do a lot of Swift because, you know, it, it bloats the app sizes. Like, <laughs> your app size is over 250 megabytes when installed. So I kind of think that Swift will not 
significantly impact this noticeable exactly, size yeah, of your app. Yeah. Um, please don't, please don't tell me that. Just, just own up to the other realities. I, I can guess what they are, and I think I know what they are. But you know, just, 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 just own up to it. Be on the up and up. Yeah, they're not using PDF icons, is what it is. All right. <laughs> so my my pick this week is a, is a, a playlist on uh, YouTube that of, of a bunch of commercials that Apple's come out with. The one that that uh, led me in here was. Um, how, how they made these commercials using an iPad Pro. They filmed them, they lit them, they illustrated them, uh, they did the music in GarageBand on them, they added them in a, a couple of apps um, that run on iPad Pro. So they actually filmed these commercials. Uh, there's like six commercials here. They filmed them on the on the iPad Pro, they edited them, and they produced them on the iPad Pro completely. Um, but the, the, the series of commercials that have come out with, or a series of short videos, I guess, have come out with is um, how to create a presentation you know, using using different tools like Keynote and that kind of stuff and, and how they kind of work together. A new way to take notes is another one. Uh, one called a new way to design your space, which includes an app trace, which is like a new uh, architectural uh, drawing, kind of like AutoCAD kind of thing, um, where you can you can basically scan your empty space and, you know, use the, use the, the uh, augmented reality to measure the size of the room. And you can, other using other apps, you can download furniture and, and like uh, um, VRs of furniture and fit them in the room and see how it would, would apply. Um, another uh, video here is how to, a new way to go paperless, which is how to, you know, uh, use your iPad to capture a document and, to, and digitize it rather than, you know, having to keep the paper, that kind of stuff, or dealing with receipts and different things like that. And there's even one here that is really disturbing to me, and that's how to make your own podcast using an iPad Pro. <laughs> that includes recording it, <laughs> editing it, and all that kind of stuff that I do painstakingly every week in Logic, and we record in QuickTime, and, you know, we do double-ended recorders that kind of stuff. I but, think you just need to get an iPad Pro then. Yeah, well, clearly that's, yeah. that's the one, right? So but it's a it's, business expense. It's a tax write-off. Yeah, right. <laughs> you have to have the business to have the expense. Yeah, that's one thing I keep reminding people when they say that. Yeah, I guess I could I could use it as a tax write-off, but I, I I don't write off enough tax to to equal the price of an iPad Pro these days. Um, but yeah, so uh, again, it was uh, I'm trying to remember which one it was. Maybe they go behind the scenes. Yeah, the, the, a new way to go behind the scenes I think is the video that that covers the how they made this this series of videos which is kind of interesting so it's kind of cool if you're interested in how get some tips on using other apps to do different things um you know there was one that that converts text into uh, print and that kind of stuff or into text i guess um yeah quite a quite a few interesting bits and pieces on how to use ipad pro exclusively which i'd love to do if there was xcode on ipad <laughs> although how would i compile my programs hmm. remotely on via some sort of iCloud AWS style system for That's the low, low price of nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah. Compile compile in the sky. What could what could possibly go wrong with storing your stuff in the cloud? No. <laughs> I didn't have anything witty. I really desperately <laughs> wanted to add something witty, and I did not have anything. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, all right. Well, um, I guess that's it for the week, Jaime. So if uh, people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with the Hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. All right. And as usual, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is how to get in touch with me. And until next week, we will say bye-bye. Bye. 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 If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. 
If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. managed to do but i forgot to eat dinner tonight <laughs> i was a I little start, surprised by that well i start recording with tammy at seven right so yeah you've been doing yeah. this for we almost did. six hours straight then uh yeah yeah something like that yeah mm-hmm. max asleep on the couch over there which is where i should be but yeah lots of fun yeah mm-hmm. today was a work from ho- work from home day and yesterday was a huge snowstorm so i worked from home as well so or actually monday night was a huge storm snowstorm so it's it's pretty cold out there yeah i like working from home yeah well it, it's funny you know a couple of weeks ago when i wasn't on the show Jaime, you asked how many people are doing windows and and it's surprising how much windows i do these days particularly when i work from home because i it's gotten to the point where unless i bring my mac home i really can't work on code um, um, so I mm-hmm. just use, I have a PC that I keep here just to, you know, do all the regular email stuff. And we use, uh, you know, conferencing software for um, for meetings and stuff like that. So, you know, either I'll dial in or I'll use the, the audio on the computer. But yeah, I'm using a, a Lenovo. No, is it ThinkPad? That Lenovo? I don't know one of those there yes things. lenovo owns yeah. it used to be ibm well, but it's yeah, lenovo yeah. that owns right. thinkpad now mm-hmm. yeah so to answer your question a couple of times a month at least i'm on on windows for you know better part of a day huh. so, yeah because i'd rather you know, I, I don't like the idea of I, i'm not a you know i don't have to bring my computer home every day so i don't you know I just leave it at my in my locker at work so on windows a lot more than i'd like to be on windows let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I guess it's kind of appropriate that we were talking about the like gloom and doom and oh no like apples they're done they're dead and i was like well actually they're like nine billion short of what they wanted to be but it was 80 some billion dollars i mean yeah um, people were saying like oh, microsoft's dead a long time ago and it's like mm, they maybe weren't very relevant culturally um yeah. for some time but if you looked at their quarterly reports they're doing pretty nicely and they're distinctly not dead yeah well we, we you know we wouldn't know what to do with a million a billion dollars if somebody handed it to us like even if we burned it it would probably take us better part of a year right you know I bet somebody has done the math on that. Probably depends on. <laughs> are we talking like uh, the Joker in the Dark Knight sort of thing, where he's got like a big fat stack upon fat stacks of cash? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. he was burning like what twenty million dollars or something in that scene. Is he? I think. Which which Joker was this? Or this is a Heath Ledger. Remember oh, he was really? like okay. burning the the mafia, the mobsters money. They're like, what oh, are you right. doing? Is like it's not about the money. I don't care about the money. <laughs> Yeah, well, that so scene was Walter the, White. The, I'm just trying to, I'm looking up now, what's the largest denomination bill you can get right now? Uh, and it looks like there used to be a $10,000 bill, but it's been discontinued. Mm-hmm. So the largest, uh, wow, the largest one is a $100 bill. Kind of surprised. There's no $1,000 bill anymore? There's no $1,000 bill. Ooh, really? There used to be 500000 5000 and 10000 but they were discontinued in 1969. So yeah, so a billion dollars in $100 bills 
bills would be a pretty thick stack. <laughs> that would take me a while. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like it's a math stat of like, you know, how far, how close to the moon, if you had dollar, you know, single dollar bills, could a billion dollars get you? Yeah, it sounds like a good, uh, one of these outside the box interview questions, right? Of how long would it take mm-hmm. you to, given with one lighter, how long would it take you to burn a billion dollars in hundred dollar bills? I don't, yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know the answer is. I'm just I saying. have no idea. But yeah, it, yeah. It's an unholy amount of money. And and I like think it's, I think the out of the box answer would be, well, I would run out of fluid, lighter fluid in the in the lighter before I could do it. Yeah, but you can buy more. <laughs> Well. <laughs> Are they all touching each other so that we're guaranteed that the small amount of spark eventually consumes it all? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like, it looks like $1,000 or $100 is our, our Canadian one as well. So I'm surprised it stopped being a denomination. Like, I assumed, Mark, that you were going to say, oh, because of uh, the digital age and not moving as much cash as much. But in 1960-something, yeah. like, no, that's yeah. it's way before yeah. computers would have taken over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, that's interesting. Uh, although, so on July 14th, 1969, the Federal Reserve and the Department of Treasury announced that banknotes in the denominations of 500, 1,000, 5,000, and 10,000 would be discontinued due to lack of use. Although they were issued until 1969, they were last printed in 1945. Mm. Oh, so wow. they printed enough in 1945 and kept them in, you know, in some vault somewhere in the Fed building and probably in D.C. somewhere until for 24 years until they ran out. Well, in our in Canadian money, there's um, uh, $1,000 bill stop being printed. This article is from 2012, and it says, I guess around 2002, they stopped printing $1,000 bills here. Hmm. I don't know who's on the front. There's a a picture of the back. Um, But it says that there's a million of these, uh, as of 2012, there's a million of these still in circulation, but um, they they think they're all in the hands of criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Money laundry experts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I wonder how that worked. I wonder if it was, uh, more recently, I want to say it was India had decided that it was going to change its currency somehow, and certain bills were going yeah. away and it's like you had until a particular date to go to a yeah. bank yeah. and like exchange it for a new currency yeah i mean that that sounds like i mean that's consumers right like i assume that only banks were hanging on to the the thousand and ten thousand and it took them what 20 some years i think i heard from 1940 something to 1960 something yeah i had a few friends who went to india the last couple of years i asked them if they'd bring me some money but they didn't and 2016 was a demonetization of the rupee indian banknote oh, okay okay what was the particulars of that what was it says uh uh, on November 8th of November 2016, the Indian government of India announced the demonetization of all 501,000 banknotes of the Mahatma Gandhi series. What was the reasoning behind it? Was it like a security thing that they, they wanted new bills? It would, the government claimed the action would curtail a shadow economy and reduce the use of illicit counterfeit cash to fund illegal activity and terrorism. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. So the, the, the denomination as a whole went away, not just like some particular printing like like in the u.s we are changing from like old five dollar bills to new five dollar bills right yeah, and this is yeah, like five dollars doesn't exist anymore as an example yeah i think that was the case yeah. uh okay so they wanted to go uh for digital currencies uh or cashless economy sort of thing mm-hmm. okay yeah. no i think you still have the big they still have the the um the big bills because it looks like they still have a thousand rupee and two thousand rupee bills but uh oh so then i'm very very confused as to why those particular yeah. two were chosen then no oh, maybe it's just because they, they're harder to uh, produce or something. I don't know. Like a few friends of mine at work have, have told me some of it, but uh, mm. they did it once in 1946 and 1978 as well. To combat tax evasion and black money held outside the formal economic system. Mm. 
It reminds me, I have some Canadian bills that I have no good Very idea whole. what to do. Like, I should try to figure out what the denomination was worth and then maybe just hang <laughs> on to them <laughs> until it goes up to that point so I don't lose money. <laughs> and then factor in the time value of money and how it's been probably... Like, it'll be a long Seven time. years. Seven long. years since I since I went to Vancouver, exchanged, and then forgot to exchange on the way back. Did you not go to um, uh, Chateau Montebello? I did. I don't think After I paid for that? anything in cash or, or not enough that I still have these bills oh. hanging around. Right, right. I mean, it's not like a fat stack. It's like probably less than $100 worth of, of uh, mm. what might as well be Monopoly money because nobody's <laughs> going to take it here and have to go get it exchanged like at the airport or something. So you can't take it to, the, to a bank and change it? Like a foreign exchange? Probably. But it's probably like the worst place. They're probably going to get like a really poor rate. Yep. So our chatbot's on the street now in TD app. I forgot what the name of it was. What was the... Clary. Clary. Clary? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Why they that like on that. a announced website somewhere, like td.ca or something? Yeah, I think it was a link on LinkedIn. There's a couple of articles posted there where I put a like on them. Ooh, look, it says hello again. I also have been here before. This <laughs> Wait, I must have misspelled that. How do you how do you spell Clary? C-L-A-R-I. Oh, there we go. Oh, she's telling me how much money I have in the bank right now. Oh, I see. So like, like Clarify, probably? Oh, I don't know. Or Clarity? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing because, like, I assume that Bank of America's Erica is like, well, it's a real name and it's, you know, contained within yeah. the word yeah. America. Yeah, Siri Bob. Oh, you know, that's funny. I, it never occurred to me until just now when you said that, that the reason they chose Erica was because it's Bank of America. Yeah, don't feel oh. bad. Like, I, they, yeah. Erica's been out for quite yeah, some time. And then one day, time, did you? <laughs> one day, they sent yet another email about, hey, use the same. Say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the months after the fact, I realized that that's what they had done. So, yeah. Tim, how come you guys didn't name yours Mini? Mini? Why would we name it Mini? Because it's Toronto Dominion. <laughs> Mini, yeah, as yeah. in not, not Canada Trust. M I N N I E is what I was thinking. That kind of yeah. No, it's also it's also Canada Trust. So, so hmm, what do you get out of that? T R Trudy N A or D A T R Dart Trust. I mean, it could be an homage to Ada Lovelace's Ada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it is Alexa. Does Amazon? No, there's no connection there. That's just completely made up, right? N- not as far as I'm aware, unless it's like Jeff Bezos's like love child or something that we're going to discover yeah. Yeah. at some point in the future during the divorce proceedings. <laughs> um, I'm not aware of any relationship it has to like the history of it. Yeah. And Siri, I mean, uh, Siri was an acquisition, but was the original company? Did that have any meaning? Do we know? I mean, I don't know. Like, was it like the founder's friend or dog or girlfriend? Or, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what they what the acquired Siri. Is. I didn't realize that. Yeah, back oh. in the day. Yeah, yeah. It was an app on the App Store prior to the acquisition. Oh, really? Was it really? Yeah, I, I'd never used it. You know, prior to being integrated into iOS, I had never five. Heard. I want to say that's um, Google Siri. Let's see. Go to the Wikipedia. Yeah, assistant names. Like, I mean, the most boring one is Google's Google Assistant. Well, good job. Um, yeah. I really wish that oh, Microsoft had dropped the ball with Cortana. International. Hmm? Uh, Mark, what is it? In, it was. In developed by SRI International. Oh, ah, well, there you go. Yeah, theory. Yeah, cool stuff. Almost forgot. I got to buy tickets tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Thursday, 10 a.m. My alarm going to go off. 
to like a concert? What tickets to? Yeah, work? Steve Hackett's coming back. He's going to be playing oh. around the corner from my house. I just noticed uh, that. Yeah, I just I got an email during the show. You know, one of these you know blasts from Ticketmaster saying he's coming. To, yeah, so I got to check that out. Yeah, do they have a they have a pre-sale? They have a pre-sale or what? I, I don't know. I haven't checked. Yeah, I saw him uh, just when on his last time he went through. But uh, if yeah, it, so it's funny that they're, they're using the same same uh, word for all the concerts. So uh, you know, for the pre-sale, so I got tickets for Santana. I got tickets for um, the Who. I got tickets for uh, King Crimson. We so. did get King Crimson. Good, good. Yeah, yeah you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. I got too many tickets now. So yeah, you can never have too many tickets. Yeah. Well, unless they're all for the same show and you can't find someone to take one off your hand. Oh, that's right. Friday, I got to go see a concert. Better remind my sister about that before she forgets. Probably already forgotten. There's a uh, Richard Thompson concert tomorrow night that I'm not going to because it's too far mm-hmm. down in Santa mm-hmm. Cruz. That'll be a real pain. But he's good. Mm. Have you ever seen him live? No. You know who he is, all who right? Is he? Richard Thompson? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should check him out. I know a guy named Richard Thompson, but it's not the same guy. Probably not. Yeah. So he, he used to be the guitarist for uh, Fairport Convention way back when. Mm-hmm. Way, way, way right. back when. But he's been solo mm-hmm. for like 40 years now. Oh, I think you told me about him before, right? Yeah. And and he's, I mean, he's sort of a folky kind of guy, but not, you know, not like super, super folky. Um, but mm-hmm. but he has, he's an, he's an amazing guitar player and he's, and he he kind of does a singer songwriter kind of thing now, and he's just got mm-hmm. an amazing tone to his voice. Right. Uh, so he's really entertaining. <laughs> the only problem, though, all of his songs are just super super depressing. <laughs> Somebody always <laughs> dies or something at the end. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> but he's really really good. You should check him out. You should yeah. Google uh, Tim. You should Google 1952 Vincent Black Lightning on mm-hmm. YouTube. YouTube, look it up on YouTube. That's kind okay. of his most famous song, and you will say what's it called? 1952 right. Vincent Black Lightning. Okay. Are you doing it right now? Real time, real time. Yeah. It's, it's coming up. It's coming up as a as a thing. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Let's, I'll listen to it later when we get off the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suspect that you'll say that. You'll see that and say, "Wow, well, I, I should see him live." <laughs> like, really? Yeah, really? Yeah. I don't know. Very different Never than know. Buckethead, though. Yeah. What did I hear about Buckethead the other day? Hmm. I can't remember now. Good things? Was it good things, or was it related to a scandal? Did no, he did he get was, an ill-advised oh, tattoo? Uh, no, it was, oh, was that, oh, I think it was a guy I follow on um, on um, on YouTube, the guy who does the the video or does the music breakdowns. I think he was talking. He did the top ten guitarists of you know, or the best guitarists or whatever, and and he Buckethead got a mention in there. Yeah, so, yeah, as a particular style, right? So, a friend of mine just got back from Cuba, and she's like, "Look at the snow! Oh my God, <laughs> poor girl, just stayed in Cuba." Wow, minus 20 degrees. That's crazy cold. Sorry, I've, Anywho, I've been watching the video. <laughs> what video? Uh, Richard Thompson. <laughs> oh, have you? Okay. Yeah. All, right. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of Dodge and uh, talk to you guys later. All right, have a good night. All right, talk okay, to you later. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.